Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this episode, I interview Dr. Morgan Cutlip, a mom and PhD in psychology about her new book, Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself, Five Steps to Banish Guilt and Beat Burnout When You Already Have Too Much to Do. I felt also too, I don't know if you resonate with this, but um, I worked part-time. I've always worked just part-time. And I felt like that time when I was working was like me using up my quota of alone time. So it's kind of like, I can't take more time. I already took the time away from my kids. So if I'm with them now, like it's always with them. I can't, how could I possibly, you know, justify going to do something on my own when I missed out already today? So I think that's something a lot of moms have to kind of work on getting over. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Dr. Morgan, it is so good to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, I loved our last conversation we had um, about relationships and how to keep the romance alive. And we're going to be shifting gears a little bit today. You are just a plethora of, of knowledge and you have a book coming out called Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself, Five Steps to Banish Guilt and Beat Burnout When You Already Have Too Much to Do. Okay, yes. from the title alone, I want to. I just want like all the copies. Just give me. I'll just read it like every night, over and over again for the rest of my life. Um, I love it. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. Um, it is launching very quickly around the corner um, in sep- early September, right? Yes, September nineteenth is the release okay. date. September nineteenth, and but you can order it now for presale. So if anyone's yeah, so listening can- to this, you can do that and- now too. And I would love for you to do that because it, like, on a number of levels, it helps. It helps me as an author. It helps my publisher know, oh, people want this book, and so they give me more time and attention and resources. And um, it helps towards lists. And also, when you pre-order, I have lots of gifts that I think are actually really helpful for moms. I recorded some exclusive interviews with like an OT, um, a friendship expert, different things like that to help, um, just to help moms go deeper in some of the areas I might touch on in my book, but that can really just like apply to their life right away. So I love that. Well, to get that. So stuff. on that topic, yeah. what is the book about and what inspired you mm-hmm. to write it? Uh, my inspiration was, um, Gosh, I I lost myself in motherhood. I you know I've been in the field of relationship education for over fifteen years, mainly focusing in on romantic relationships, so dating relationships, couple marriage relationships, um, uh, family relationships. But uh, after becoming a mom and just 
you know, I just went into it expecting to be so freaking good at it. I was like, I'm going to, I really did. I'm not, I'm not like a very egotistical person, but like with motherhood, I was like, this is it for me. Like I've always wanted to be a mom. I thought I would crush it. I've got education and credentials and like, why wouldn't I? My family's mostly pretty good and normal. Like I'll, I'm going to be good at this. And, um, it, it hit me so hard because I think in part because my expectations for myself were so high, but just things like that loss of freedom, I did not see that coming. Um, was really naive about what it would look like to juggle my work responsibilities with, um, having a baby. Um, I don't know if Effie, Effie's our daughter's name. She's 10 now, which is crazy, but, um, I don't know if she was a tough baby, but she, felt difficult to me. And so um, I think the combination of all of these things just led me to feel really, really buried in my early experience in motherhood. And then couple this, I talk about this in the book, but we were living in Florida at the time, very briefly, uh, very like less than a year in Florida. But when she was two months old, Chad, my husband got relocated to California and I didn't meet him out here until she was 10 months. And so also- Yeah, from two to 10 months, I was, you know, kind of just seeing him on the weekends or traveling with her to go visit. And um, there's a lot that happens in that time. And so um, by the time we reconnected, I was sort of like, you know, you don't know what to do with this baby. She's tricky. And like, I've been the one taking care of things. And so I pushed him out. And so it was just a combination of feeling lost, disappointed, like in myself, feeling like I was falling short. Um, and then this resentment that was building up toward him that really caught me off guard. Um, I just knew, you know, okay, this is, if I'm going through this, a lot of other women are too. And that someday I'm going to use my skill set in taking psychological research and theory, making it into practical educational pieces and I'm going to use it to support moms to navigate this time differently. Yeah. And, you know, I agree. I mean, I think when I look back and I think of all the different like degrees I have, and like you said, expertise that, that I share, the the best thing that I've ever done is become a mom. Like being a parent is my calling. Like I love it and I love my kids more than anything. And when my, when my daughter was born, she's almost 10. So we have daughters around the same Mm -hmm. age. She'll be 10 in a couple of months. And I thought, oh, I've nailed this, right? I'm going to make a brand (laughs) around it because I'm such a great mom. Like I am the parentologist. Like I'm the parenting expert because I'm such a good mom. And then my son was born (laughs) and that just rocked my world. There's always the one. (laughs) Right. It's, it's, there's always one in there that just kind of, you know, gives you that curveball, And then you think, oh, I need to actually work at being a mom, like, you know, and some of the practices that I tried before aren't working or the techniques I used to use on my daughter aren't working on my son. And then it just, you know, and then it does kind of, I don't know, tamper with your, your self-image and self-esteem. But I think the thing that surprised me the most about being a mom, and I know that we're going to talk about this because I know it's in your book, is losing yourself in motherhood. I remember when my husband turned to me once and said, you know, you're more than just a mom, right? Because mm. I didn't really engage in any other hobbies anymore that I used to. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really even know who I was if I wasn't a mom. And people would say, well, what do you do? I'm a mom. Okay, well, what else do you do? Oh, I'm a therapist or I'm this or that. But mom was always at the forefront and it was hard. I really had to work hard to try to find myself again and find out who I was. Did you have that experience too? Or do you talk that mu- about yeah. that in the book? Oh, of course. I think that the whole book is really about that. And I think, you know, it's helpful – 
So try to lay out to kind of how does this happen to us? And I think there's lots of sort of roads that lead us toward feeling lost in motherhood. And I think it's a normal experience. And I think that there are seasons of motherhood where um, we're just going to get lost again. And and part of the the belief behind my book is that that's a normal experience, but we have to learn how to find our way out. But I think it just makes sense because we're sort of, um, motherhood is sort of set up to sort of bury us in it. Because when our kids are really little, in order for their survival, we sort of need to make our needs really, really small. We need to be backburnered in order to care for them. I mean, who really wants to get up through the middle of the night? Who really, you know, like who really wants, well, um, our chemical makeup, you know, our evolutionary makeup, like we have to make ourselves smaller in order to care for these precious little children that we love so much. The thing that often happens though, is that we sort of get stuck in that mode. So we make our needs small to help them in the beginning, but then it kind of continues into that toddlerhood phase. And then before you know it, we're in elementary school and it's like everything revolves around our children. Our needs are almost non-existent. And by the time we really have a moment to consider like, oh gosh, I have a free moment. Like, what am I going to do? We almost can't even access what we need anymore, what we enjoy doing, who we are, what fills us up. We're, We're like, we don't even know where to begin. Right. And that just, I'm laughing because the other day, um, my kids just started school. They went just went back to school. And this is the first year ever in almost 10 years that they've been at school all day long for the first time ever. Because my son's always been on half day schedule or, you know, in preschool and it was only a couple days a week. But now they're there Monday through Friday from like nine to three. And the first week was really a struggle for me. I felt so yeah. lost. What do I do with all this time? And really, in retrospect, yeah. it's really not that much time because by the time I do all the things for work and go to the gym, go to the grocery store, you know, it doesn't lend me that much time. But it, but the other day, um, anyway, I was home by myself, and I had about two hours before school pickup, and I felt so lost. I literally, I literally sat on the couch and just kind of hung out. I didn't have the TV wasn't on. I was kind of mindlessly mm-hmm. scrolling on my phone a little bit, but for the most mm-hmm. part, I was just sitting. I felt so lost on what to do. I mean, I could have yeah. cleaned. I could have maybe written a blog. I mean, I could have done so many things, but I was just at this standstill. Is that pretty normal for for moms when they're kind of trying to find themselves again to almost just kind of be in that flight or flight mode? I think so. I mean, I definitely relate to what you're saying. And I do, I think it's almost like, um, so my husband travels a lot for work. And so I sort of like have this gearing up response to when he's gone where I just like hustle. I do all the things. I got to make it strong through bedtime, two tuck-ins on my own. And sometimes it's for the whole week. Um, and I always notice that when he comes home, I I like melt into this puddle where I'm just kind of like, like I just shut down. Like I almost, I have no motivation. I don't even know what I want to do. Like I just, it's almost this crumbling. And this is a real experience that I think happens to a lot of us moms from being in this sort of fight or flight mode for so long. And then we um, come down from it and we um, just kind of almost, it's like a disassociation a little bit. Yes. Um, and um, and so I think it's a really normal experience, um, but obviously we don't want to stay there. And I think the thing that you're like trying to not have happen is to be in that hustle fight or flight mode for like 18 years. And then your kids leave the house and you're like, oh, now who am I? It's like we we want to stay in touch with ourselves throughout the time of our children growing up so that we don't have that experience down the road. I think that what can I see that with a lot of older moms actually is like, I don't even know who I am. And I think what can happen 
when we don't do a good job of regularly like kind of integrating ourselves into how we care for others and our children, like we have to be a part of the people we're caring for, um, is that if we do go through our whole life this way, our kids leave the house, we then become those moms. I think we all know a mom like this, where we kind of like resent our children's freedom and detachment and their own them having their own life because yes. we've made everything about them and we're like how dare you leave us now and this just hurts our relationship with them and so that's also like uh, something i think is really important for us to understand is that you know when we don't factor ourselves in we end up harming all of our other relationships we sacrifice for the sake of our relationships but ultimately that sacrifice ends up turning into resentment and frustration and burnout and hurting our relationships and the ones that matter most to us and so we have to be careful of that right so so what i think you're explaining is is burnout that that when you're in that fight or for so long and you kind of have that moment where you just stop and you can't really even function for maybe a couple hours, maybe even a couple days where you're just kind of lost. How do we prevent that? Or what can we do to prevent that burnout? Like what can we actively do to try not to get into those spots? And how do we get out of it if we are there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, my book provides moms with a framework. So it's not a prescriptive book where it's like, do step this, this, and this, and then you'll feel better, but rather it's a framework. And the main message of my book is that we have to learn how to mother ourselves like we mother our kids. Um, The short version is go mom yourself, which basically is just saying that moms are so good at caring for all of the other people and things in our life. We manage the schedules. We manage our relationships. We're usually the ones who like come to our partners or like, we need a date. How we doing? You know, we're managing the emotional health of our children. We're taking the lead for the most part on parenting stuff. Like we are so good at it. We don't necessarily turn these same skill sets toward ourselves. And so that's what I walk moms through in this book is how do we do for ourselves what we already do for our children? And I'm talking about things like um, getting to know ourselves deeply so that we can meet our needs in ways that really matter most accessing our needs, defining them so we can assert them graciously. How do we see ourselves in a positive light? Um, The way that we see ourselves as moms has a dramatic impact on how we experience motherhood, and we tend to be very hard on ourselves. And so I walk moms through that um, and some some other pieces along the way. And so what I think really is like, it's not the sexiest answer to prevent burnout, but what I think is the most practical as well as the most um, sustainable is to get really good at doing check-ins with yourself and making small and manageable adjustments and how we care for our relationship with ourselves. And so the book gets the framework for what a relation, what is a relationship, what are we managing, and then practical ways for, for moms to do that in like the busy framework of our lives. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to take a really quick break, but when we come back, I want to kind of just dig in a little bit more about real self-care versus cliche or faux self-care. We'll be right back. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. 
Okay, so Dr. Morgan, you were on Good Morning America um, not too long ago, (laughs) and um, I watched your segment, and it was amazing, and I know you talked a little bit about cliche self-care, and I feel like Mm -hmm. when I'm you know, at at school pickup, and I'm talking to other moms, and we're talking about self-care, and how cliche even just that term alone is these days, because it's so oversaturated, and what does the heck does it really mean, because (laughs) a lot of moms I talked to were like, well, I can't add anything more to my list, like- I've already got a lot going on. I'm not, you know, now you want me to go do this and do this. And it's just, it's overwhelming. And so then you don't do anything at all, which isn't necessarily healthy for us mentally either. So, um, so can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you talked about in that segment and just, you know, how moms don't get trapped into that faux self-care that society tells us that we should do, you know, whether it's bubble baths and pedicures and all the things, which are still great and they're nice and they're nice little treats. Um, But how can we really actually, like you said, sustain our self-care where we're actually making a difference and, you know, feeling that mental load lift a little bit because we're taking care of ourselves? Yeah. So I I know I get really fired up about self-care because it bugs me. And I think it's unfortunate because the idea behind it is so well-intentioned and we do need to take care of ourselves, especially as busy moms. Um, but it's it's been so played out that I think that even the mention of it, we kind of like glaze over and numb out. We're like, okay, more self-care, whatever. So um, it's lost its impact. So it's funny in my book, I like really resist saying self-care until I think it's like one of the last chapters. I talk about it a little bit. But um, there's three reasons why I think we need almost like a rebrand of self-care. And I'm hoping my book um, does a good job of doing that. But the first reason is, um, I, I get annoyed with self-care, is that moms don't need what you said. Moms don't need more lists of things to do that we, we don't have time for. And what often happens is that if we put something like, exercise on our list of things to do for the day and we don't get to it, we end up feeling guilty and really bad about ourselves and like, oh, there I am again, made a promise to do it and I broke that promise. And what ultimately happens is there's deeper mechanisms that that occur when this happens, which is that we start to see ourselves in a negative light. This self-criticism and judgment starts to drain our capacity of willpower um, and or energy, whatever you want to call it, but it's willpower really. And um, that leads to us doing other things like, you know, losing it on our kids, which then leads to more self-criticism. So I think that there is a powerful impact of giving us more to do on our list that we actually can't get to because we're going to feel crappy about it. The second reason is because I think that um, – there's an assumption made when we give moms lists of self-care strategies, which is that moms aren't struggling with, you know, the guilt around asking for the time support resources and all of the things to accomplish the stuff on the list. And I think that's one of the biggest hangups is that we have these belief systems that are like, oh, well, I shouldn't need a break or I shouldn't need to involve help or I should be able to do it all. And this stuff really sabotages our ability to get rest and and reprieve. And the list of self-care strategies don't often tackle this deeper stuff. And I think that's really important. The third reason is because I think self-care is almost always talking about the physical body. And our physical body is so important and the way we care for it and um, nurture it. And and I and I have a chapter on it. You know, I'd say we have to listen to our bodies because they're speaking to us and are we responding. But we're more than just a body. We're thoughts and emotions and um, energy and willpower and all of these different things that are really important to also consider too when it comes to care. So it's a more holistic perspective. And also 
stuff like shifting the way you think about yourself can happen while you're making a PB&J, where going on a walk requires all sorts of other supports. And so I think that it broadens the possible ways we can care for ourselves when we get out of just thinking about the physical. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I just, <laughs> we could probably talk all day d- diving into that more. I'm like, I, I have so many follow-up questions, but, but I do want to touch also on mom guilt. Cause you mentioned sometimes how we can feel bad about ourselves. Um, you know, if, if sometimes we even take time for ourselves too. Right. So, you know, I'm a big proponent on having like mom coffee dates and, you know, mom's night out and maybe even traveling for a weekend, you know, without your spouse, um, you know, or partner or without your kids. And a lot of times yeah. I hear like mom saying, how do you do that? How do you leave your kids for three days and not feel guilty? You know, what are your thoughts about that? And is that a way that mm-hmm. we can mom ourselves? Um, you know, if by taking that time to, you know, to, to actually rejuvenate actually maybe and be a better mom if we actually take that time away for ourselves. Um, Cause I feel like a lot of moms don't do it because the, the guilt is already so strong before they even leave that they don't make the plans to do anything like that. Yeah. So I think, so I'll say a few things. I think that um, sometimes we think that self-care requires this leaving our kids and stuff. And then moms get really hung up on that because maybe that's not what they need. So I want to say, first and foremost, it's going to look different for everyone. I like to have a night alone. That does it for me, but like not necessarily for every other mom. I know I have lots of friends who are like, I just don't like to be away from my kids. So it might not have anything to do with guilt. So I believe you can find true rest and reprieve um, when you leave your kids or even when you're with your kids, there's ways of making these shifts and doing things differently. So part of what I try to help moms do in, in my book is not give them like Again, it's not prescriptive. It's kind of like, here are the frameworks. Now, what you got to know yourself. What does it for you? Um, But you're right. I think there are a lot of moms. I was like this very early on in motherhood. Actually, it lasted quite a while, honestly, where I felt a lot of – a lot of guilt about ever leaving my kids. I felt also too, I don't know if you resonate with this, but um, I worked part-time. I've always worked just part-time. And I felt like that time when I was working was like me using up my quota of alone time. So it's kind of like, I can't take more time. I already took the time away from my kids. So if I'm with them now, like it's always with them. I can't, how could I possibly, you know, justify going to do something on my own when I missed out already today? So I think that's, something a lot of moms have to kind of work on getting over. So this is where the guilt piece comes in. Um, Guilt is not inherently bad. A lot of times we just kind of chalk it up to like all guilt is bad. I think guilt is a really important um, function, plays an important function for us, which is that um, when we've done something wrong, we've violated some standard. It is a cue to change it to to either repair or to come more in line with that standard and to make changes. The problem, though, with mom guilt is that a lot of times it is a guilt that is really undeserved because it's based on uh, some impossible standards. So impossible standards are basically expectations we hold ourselves to that have gone berserk. They're way extreme. And moms, we have a lot of these that are operating in our heads and they are like things that keep us in line. And so when we step outside of this impossible standard, that guilt is cued and it pulls us back in and kind of keeps us in our little box of what we believe is like a good mom. And so I think one easy place to start 
if you struggle a lot with guilt is unpacking the statement of the type of mom I think I should be is and really exploring what comes up for you when you start to answer that question because these shoulds are windows into some of your impossible standards. Um, and then we have to learn how to rein them in. Maybe maybe your impossible standard is like, no, this means a lot to me and so I'm gonna I'm gonna up my game. Okay, maybe your impossible standard needs revised um, or your ex- yeah, and your expectations need to shift. And so I walk moms through um, step by step, how do we do this? And so our expectations can be more in line with our reality um, and um, what works in our family. Yeah, absolutely. And that leads me into my next question, you know, talking about the mental load that moms deal with on a regular basis. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just me being a mom and, you know, being in my, my little sphere of momhood, but I feel like only moms really understand what the mental load is and what it looks like and what it feels like. Um, I feel like if you Mm -hmm. try to have that conversation with a friend who necessarily isn't a mom or maybe even your partner or your spouse, they may not necessarily understand. Um, but we also want them to understand because we want to feel appreciated. We want to feel supported. We want Mm -hmm. to feel uplifted, you know, like you had mentioned earlier. So how, how do we overcome that? Um, how do we first, you know, talk to our partners or our spouse about the mental load of motherhood and and what we're feeling and how overwhelmed we might be and how we might need a night off or just, you know, a break or, you know, just need extra help or whatever the case may be. So how do we first talk to them about it? And then, you know, how do we feel more supported from, from others in our family? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll say really quickly, you know, you and I talked before we came on where I'm going to have another book coming out. Um, It's going to be a bit, but it's going to be about the mental load. And I remember talking with my publisher before um, starting the the books and like, which one should come first? And we decided that Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself should come first because a lot of women have some hangups around their like their right to talk to their partner about the mental load. And um, so the first book will help you if you have any of those hangups around asserting your needs and getting to a place where you're comfortable having these conversations because we have a lot of these beliefs that are like, I guess since if I'm especially stay at home moms, if I'm a stay at home mom, I guess I, you know, I should, this is my job. I should do it all. Um, and it gets in the way of us really feeling like we have a, like a healthy sense of entitlement to have these conversations. And so um just to say that it will help with that piece. Um, but having the conversations can be very tricky uh, because a lot of times it can stir up some defensiveness in our partner. And so um, it takes some like savvy and perseverance, I think, to have these conversations sometimes. So first I'll say start here. Define, before you head into the conversation, define what it is you want to get out of it. I think that a lot of times we wait until we're ready to explode before we have these conversations. And then we go into them and we're just like, we don't even know what we want. We're just mad about it. And it stinks and we're hurting and it's like feeling unfair. And so we're not really very clear because sometimes you go into the mental load conversation. You're like, we need a redistribution. Like you need to be a part of this more. But sometimes we go into it and we're like, we just want you to appreciate us. And so I think it can be helpful to define what the intention is by having the conversation and what goal you want to achieve. That keeps it a little bit more within a safe framework um, and a little bit clearer. I think another way, and I have actually 
I'd put together an entire guide on this because I think it's such a needed and important conversation. So people can get that for free on my website and it walks through defensiveness. I think another place to start is just by um, asking your partner to have a sit down conversation because um, you want to talk about something that's important to you. And phrasing matters. I I don't want people to get frozen in their ability to have these conversations, but phrasing does matter. Like you coming in hot, it's going to stir up defensiveness. So if you start the conversation by saying something like, you know, I want to talk to you about something called the mental load. Probably it's like not even on your radar. It's been on my radar for a while. I've never had a term for it. I do now. And I feel like having some definition around this experience that I have in our family life can maybe help us to find a way through it that feels better because I'm noticing that I'm feeling alone in it. And um, I don't I don't think you're being like a bad husband or a bad partner, but I, I'm, I don't think you're that aware of it. And so I'm feeling really alone in it. And I'm noticing that it's starting to like make me feel grumpy and irritable and resentful towards you. And I don't want our relationship to go there. So we need to find a new way through this. So can I share with you or I'd like to share with you some um, like aspects of the mental load. And so we can come up with a new plan together. And I think trying that entry point um, can be helpful in like initiating this conversation. Oh, I love it. I can keep going, but no, I just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always trying to remember, like I'm trying to listen to you and memorize. I'm like trying to write it down. <laughs> I so, don't okay. come over and help me say that to my husband. No. <laughs> so <laughs> I just really what funny. I think. Get my guide. Yes. Download the guide because I give scripts and um, I also recorded it in audio because I think sometimes, well, one, moms are just, it's just easier to listen to stuff. And two, I think sometimes it's nice to hear somebody say it, you know, like, oh, that's how I can say it. And then I give three, I'm trying to remember what they are. Three, it's been a while since I made my guide. Three major roadblocks that come up when navigating the mental load. The one is mindset defensiveness and expectations. And so defensiveness, we all know that one. Um, it's so painful to navigate in a relationship. It's it's really, really heart, hurtful. And I think it, it leads to a lot of times people shutting down and then, I, and then these things getting stuffed and then like they grow into these cancers that eat away our closeness in our relationship. Um, but mindset is a big one too, which is like, having this belief system uh, that gets really tricky to talk about the mental load when this is getting in the way. So for example, it might be something like, um, you know, I have a belief that if you are um, a, a mom, you should never complain about motherhood. And I think partners sometimes have this belief system and it's like, you got to get to that. You got to break that belief system down and expose it if you're going to actually have productive conversation about some of the stuff or else it's like, stop your complaining. Like, what's the big deal? Just make a list and get it done, right? It gets really toxic. And so, but I think that's sometimes what's underneath the other is expectations for our roles. And so if, um, if it's like, well, I believe that, you know, as a, as a, I'm, I'm being very traditional in my stereotyping here. Okay. So please offer me grace listeners. <laughs> I know it comes in different packages, but, but, um, you know, it might be something like, you know, I, I am the husband or the man of the family and my role is to bring home money and to provide a uh, financial security, but that's, that's my role. 
Like, why are you asking me to step out outside of my role? And so then it might be a conversation around, okay, well, we get to define our roles and what works for our family. So let's talk about that together. And so I walk through some of these really common roadblocks that I think get in the way of having a productive conversation because I think that's, you know, people go in with these good intentions and then they just are like smacked in the face with some of this stuff. And you're like, are we on other planets here? How are we not able to talk about this? Right. So right. I hope it helps people. Oh, well, it, it, it helps me. I am your biggest fan. Um, I hope you know that. <laughs> I love your book. I can't wait for more people to read it. Um, when it comes out again, you can pre-order it now um, on Amazon, correct? Um, anywhere else yeah, that they can anywhere, pre-order really. or on your yeah, website um, they can go to? Not from my website, I link to all the outlets. So you can get it on um, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target. Um, actually, um, Christian Books has the cheapest price right now. It's, it does not have um, Christian content in the book. I have some supplements that are um, that have some faith content. But the book is not Christian, but it is sold there. And it ha- it's like 7 or $8 cheaper. So check that out. Yeah. But you get the freebies from my website. Yes. Yeah. And those are all – that's great tips. Um, and everyone, I want you to go mom yourself. <laughs> Dr. Morgan, I want you to go mom yourself. Um, I love that you coined that term. You have that hashtag um, on Instagram. You have great content on Instagram. Everyone can find you there too. You tell us your handle. Um, You have great content um, just about motherhood and about the mental load and and all sorts of um, great advice. So um, tell us where we can find you there. Thank you. So my handle on Instagram is Dr. Morgan Cutlip, but it's Dr. Morgan Cutlip, all one word. That's the same as my website, drmorgancutlip.com. Um, if you do backslash book, you'll find out where you can buy it as well as how you can redeem your freebies. So my book comes out September 19th um, and all those pre-order gifts expire then. So not to be like, dun, 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 but um, pre-orders are very much appreciated. And so I tried to make it worth your while. Absolutely. Well, I hope everyone goes out and buys it um, and reads it. You're helping so many moms, Dr. Morgan. So thank you. And thank you for sharing your tips um, today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com.